0: Some dangerous large uh, carnivore
1: out there. And I saw that bird get a young deer off the road and fly away. And it was just about getting dark, and we started panicking, running down the bridge, not really having any clue of was throwing rocks in our vicinity. Good sized rocks. And uh, I stopped long enough to get a 367 out of my backpack and look back, and that's when I saw it.
2: I saw one. For uh, well, a week, the, the town of Defiance was being harassed by a
3: werewolf. And it's actually attacked two railroad workers, uh, killed livestock. You know, just a lot of weird stuff that was going on.
0: You know i am also the founder of the sasquatch coffee company sasquatch coffee have you tried it yet? go to www.squatchcoffee.com to get yours today with me is shane corson our uh good friend is on his way back from southern california um i know that next weekend he'll be with me and some other of our our friends including Derek randall larry turner i believe cindy uh And Jared Cadell are going to be up there um, at the Olympic Project is having an outing. So we're going to, uh, he is on his way back from San Diego. So um, I hope you drive safely and and have safe travels, uh, Shane and Summer. And with me today is our special co-host, Julie Wrench. Julie, how are you today? I'm pretty good. How are you guys? I'm doing well. Um, I heard you were under the. We talked earlier, and you were under the weather a little bit. You feeling starting to feel a little bit better?
1: Yeah, I was um, about ten days worth of a cold that I couldn't shake. So, starting to feel better now. So,
0: good to hear.
2: Thank
0: you. Um, I wanted to share yeah. a little bit about uh, an event that's coming up. A brand new event down in uh, San Francisco uh, called Bigfoot Bonanza. It's uh, March 10th, 11th, and 12th this year, and uh, they've got a good lineup. Of course, uh, Cliff Berrickman from Finding Bigfoot is going to be speaking. Um, Tom Yamaron is going to be down there. Kathy Strain, um, our good friend Seth Breedlove, and Craig Flippy. Craig Flippy is from uh, Portland, Oregon, good friends with Cliff. In fact, he did uh, Bigfoot Road Trip with Cliff and uh, Cliff, it, or uh, I got to know Craig a little bit from uh, Guy Edwards' uh, Popsquatch event. Craig was a re- regular attendee, but Craig will be down there. Um, he's an he's a independent filmmaker, and he made uh, a – he has a project called Crappy Little Dreams go on – you can go online and Google it and uh <laughs> he he has a cracker. Cool. So they've got a they got a, a good lineup going and again that's the Bigfoot Bonanza you can find it on just Google it. It's March tenth, eleventh and twelfth. Um and uh one of the sponsors is Sasquatch Coffee. So um to uh support our ongoing events for Sasquatch uh, research and get togethers with us today is our very special guest, Thomas Steenberg. Julie, are you excited to uh, talk to him today? I am today? so stoked. <laughs> so. I, I had the pleasure of uh, going out with Thomas as part of Operation Sea Monkey uh, last this last year and uh, got to know him. I had never really spent, I'd, I'd met him before at, at uh, Todd Niece's uh, Beachfoot event but really hadn't spent any time with him, and uh, we got to spend some time in close quarters for, uh, you know, several days, and uh, I got to know Thomas pretty well, and uh, he is a uh, good guy and wealth of knowledge. You know, he's been doing uh, Bigfoot research from since the 70s, so uh, without further ado, let's bring our guest speaker, well, if I can get it to work. Here we go.
2: Hello, Thomas, are you welcome old? to Monster X Radio. Hey, hey guys, hey, I've
3: unmuted you.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> you got to forgive me. I am fighting the flu, so if I break out oh. every now and then, it's unavoidable.
0: All right. Well, mm. thanks for for uh, bucking up and, and joining us right. today on Monster X Radio.
2: How, oh, are no things up in,
0: how are things up in your neck of the woods? Cold. Cold. It's hey, been well. Right. I mean, when I say cold, yeah. it's we're talking about the 20s and 30s. I'm I I know it gets a little colder uh, in other places. It just seems really cold here. When it you know we when we see frost, we think it's really cold.
3: Yeah. Well, I, up here in the west coast, uh, in British Columbia, we usually have mild winters. But for the last two months, we've we've been getting hit with what the rest of Canada goes through every year. It's been mm-hmm. cold. I mean. I actually seen kids playing hockey games outside in frozen rinks around here. And I haven't seen that in eight
2: years.
3: (laughs) That, that that kind of weather, like I said,
0: it's been, it's cold up and down the West coast this year, more so than usual this week. We're looking at uh, that. Today's the last day I think we're going to have where we have cold weather. And then they they said, uh, we get three days of pouring down rain and possible flooding. So, um it's it's been a crazy weather winter. Uh doesn't keep people, you know, the the hardy Bigfooters from getting out and, and doing mm. of course Shane's been out in San Diego, uh he and uh Adam Davis went out last weekend, you know, and I'm I think it was in the sixties or low seventies, so um San
2: Diego? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: well, there there's surprisingly some wooded areas around there, but
2: um,
0: they did not mm-hmm. run into anything squatchy down there, so Thomas, oh, no. for those if for for anyone who might not know who you are which you've been around, like I say, for quite some time uh, you are uh, familiar with all the the casting characters from the, you know
2: mm-hmm. uh,
0: been around forever uh, John Green and and uh, Peter Byrne and Renata Hinden and and uh, Grover Krantz and all those characters. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself and and what got you into this crazy field of Bigfoot research.
3: Well, um, uh, I'm I'm now considered one of the old guys.
2: Um,
3: I, never, I I never imagined I'd ever hear myself being called that, but yeah. I've,
4: I've
3: I've been around since uh, oh the mid to late 1970s anyway, and um, I like I said when I started there was no internet or anything like that. All we basically knew is uh, what was written in books. By the what you would call the pioneers in this field, the late John Green, the late Renee Dehinnon, the late Grover Krantz, the late Robert Titmuss—all these gentlemen I knew and did research with for many years had my series of arguments with them all in disagreements, and at <laughs> times had some great adventures and a lot of fun, and uh, and really, really took a hard, serious look at the possibility of whether or not there is a higher primate in the Pacific Northwest of the United States and Canada. And to me, well, I got started. I think when I was on your show last year, I went and told you the whole tale about how my parents mm-hmm. got a digest book and it talked about things like dinosaurs and and it had chapters on hurricanes and tornadoes, and for some reason, in the middle of the dinosaur chapter, there was a little two-page article with these blurry black-and-white photographs of uh, something uh, titled The Thing in Loch Ness. And I, for some reason, that just clipped a switch in my young, suggestive mind, and uh, I uh, read, must have read that thing a hundred times. And when I went out to try and find more information on it, I started reading about this thing in Western Canada called the Sasquatch. Uh, in the Western United States, they called it Bigfoot. And I realized in a very young age I was never, ever going to move to Scotland. So uh, <laughs> I started concentrating on the Sasquatch. But I think what really did it, and I think I told you guys this before, but I came down... One week night when I should have been asleep in bed on a school night, my parents were in the darkened living room watching a movie on the old black and white TV, and, and what they were watching. Uh, first, my mother didn't want me to watch it because she was afraid I'd have nightmares, and my father said, "No, no, no, no! Let, let let the lad watch this. He's interested in this sort of thing." And so he won the argument, and I'm sure he's regretted that ever since. He, uh, they were watching the old that old Hammer horror film starring Peter Cushing called The Abominable Snowman of the Himalayas. And from <laughs> that moment, it was Sasquatch. <laughs> it's been Sasquatch ever since. And
0: so you're you as a young man, you got a a very or young boy, you got a very uh you got hooked and uh you've been what got you into serious research? I mean, a lot of people have seen, you know, the oh, classic of, movies.
2: Schools
3: and everything. I go my teachers crazy with it, asking questions. And <laughs> every time uh, we had a choice in science class or whatever to do a project or a presentation on something, I'd do something on the Sasquatch. <laughs> no, they wanted me to do something on something logical like uh, uh, the extermination of the <laughs> extinction dinosaurs or the 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 length of the ice age or something like that no i want to do something on like sasquatch so i do it and i usually do such a good job they'd have me present it to the other classes and things like that
2: wow
3: so uh, i realized i was born in northern ontario in an area of, uh in Bangkok, ontario and all the time i lived in ontario which is has just as much wilderness as British Columbia. I'd never heard of a single incident there. As far as I knew, the Sasquatch was a West Coast phenomena at the time. So when I got, to, I had the chance after high school, and there was never any money or anything for anything to go beyond high school, I decided to list in the Canadian Army, and I wanted to get uh, posted to the 3rd Battalion of the PPCLI. Well, at that time it was stationed near Esquimalt on Vancouver Island. But the closest I could get was the 1st Battalion, which was in Calgary, Alberta, uh, which was just on the east slope of the Rocky Mountains. So that's as close as I got. So after going through battle school and a year of uh, getting yelled at by ugly sergeants and having my kit torn (laughs) apart and marching (laughs) so up, my feet were going to fall off, (laughs) blowing things (laughs) up. I actually got posted to Calgary, and I took one look at the Rocky Mountains, and I said, you know, no one's ever built a wall between eastern B.C. and western Alberta. If they've been seen in eastern B.C., they've got to be seen here, too. So I took an ad out in the local southern Alberta press that simply said, Sasquatch, anyone who believes they've had a sign of this creature, contact Thomas Steeming and the phone number. And I didn't expect much result, but... Man, my phone was ringing off the hook. And it was while in Calgary I met, I contacted and uh, and met the late Dr. Vladimir Markotic, if you recall that name. He mm-hmm. used to do a lot of work with Grover, mm-hmm. the late Grover Krantz on this subject, and they put a book together called Sasquatch and Other Unknown Hominids. And I met, I met Dr. Vladimir in his office at the University of Calgary, and he kind of took me under his wing. I did the field stuff while he did the academic stuff on this subject. And, and uh, we were kind of like unofficial partners while, while I was still in Alberta until, until he died in, in, in the mid-1990s. But that's basically how I really got going.
1: Okay. Now, do you still actively take reports and, and go to the
3: site and uh, do investigations? Oh, absolutely. I've never stopped doing that. Uh, mm-hmm. The most recent one I got, this is two years old, but I just heard about it the other day, it was actually forwarded to me by Cliff Brackman, who, got, who uh, someone contacted from Eastern B.C. to tell about a sighting he and his family allegedly had in, in the B.C. side of the Rocky Mountains two years ago. Uh, I've been hmm. trying to contact him. Um, the most recent one in this area that I'm aware of is just not too far from the Agassiz-Harrison-Hot Springs area.
2: Okay. But, you know, the
3: reports continue to come in. Some years are busy. Some years are not so busy. It tends to vary quite considerably.
1: Okay. Now, do you? Um, is there any specific season that you receive the most reports in as a pattern, or is that varied also?
3: One of the first things I've noticed after I don't know how long I've been in this now, 38, 37 years, there is no pattern. Hmm. Every time we think we have a pattern, something was out of the water. Uh, to me, patterns, there, there are none. You could get a sighting now as well as any time of the year, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but to me, according to my stats, uh, which contradicts most other people's stats, the best time to see a Sasquatch would be in the high summer months. But that could be just simply the reason there are more people active in backwoods mm-hmm. areas in the high summer months. Uh, and people who are active in the winter are usually making a lot of noise. They're snowmobiling or, four, or quadding, or uh, they're, they're making a lot of racket, so everything around knows they're there. Um, so in my opinion, uh, set patterns, there are none. Never assume oh. anything. you could see a Sasquatch anytime, any time of the year, any time of the day or night.
1: That's well, have you received any reports?
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: have you received any reports of any sightings that are like very close to um, a city or a town before? Oh yes,
3: oh yes. So okay. we find a number just in the outskirts here. I mean, I can walk to the closest one to my door. It's just down the road here.
2: Right? here
3: by Hatzic Lake. <laughs> ah. Yeah, we get reports all around here. Uh, you you in British Columbia. You you as soon as you leave the cities or the towns and you're in wilderness, you're in Sasquatch country. Mm. There may be long periods of time where nobody sees anything. Then all of a sudden, for a period of a week or several days, several people come forward and and they will stop almost as suddenly as they had started, almost as though a, a creature was around, hung around for a bit, went about its business, and then moved on. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And That's that kind of material repeats itself over and over And over again
1: Well see a lot of people Think that um, These things would only be found In very remote regions Where you know It's like mountainous or um, Well the Pacific Northwest For example for many years People thought that was the only Place that they would be found um, But you know where I'm at, not far from me, 20 minutes from me, is where that gentleman had uh, has one that comes on his property every once in a while. You know, he allegedly has seen it three times. So, you know, to me, I'm like, well, that's that's very possible given the rural area that he's in. It's just um, a lot of people don't still don't understand that. I don't think, and they may have seen or heard something. Um, that it could have possibly well been related to, you know, something unusual, and they may not even realize it because they don't, you know, attribute it to that.
3: You know, in my opinion, in my opinion, the Sasquatch is a creature, and this is, of course, assuming that the animal does indeed exist. Right. In my opinion, the Sasquatch is a creature of the deep wilderness areas. Now you look at my map and my pin maps and everything here in my study, you'll see almost every pin is along a roadside, a riverbank, a lake shore, in other words where there are people to see them, and let alone mm-hmm. and let alone people to report them. Yet there's vast areas of green on this map that don't have a single pin in it. But well, that's not because there's no Sasquatch there. That's because there's no one there to see it, let alone report it. Right. It takes two things not. to have a, a
0: Sasquatch sighting. It takes a Sasquatch and a people. Yes. Right. The sightings
3: occur more often than not when they come near people rather than the other way around.
1: Hmm. True that.
3: Yeah. 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 One wanders through someone's backyard who happens to be living out in the outskirts of town, and his property backs onto a forest reserve or whatever, I mean, or crosses the road late at night with only a few homes on it. There's even been cases of them walking right into towns and usually disappear before anyone has any position to do anything about it. But that's not surprising. We have people in downtown Vancouver waking up in the morning to find black bears marauding through their garbage or mountain lions in their back porch. They're wondering a dog and they see that a a wolverine took it during the night or something like that on the the security camera. I mean, uh, that kind of thing happens all the time. The Sasquatch is no different than anything else. When they come near people, that's when most often sightings occur. Yeah.
4: Now, right, and and we, have...
3: or, or when we, or when we happen to be out
0: in areas where they mm-hmm. frequent. I mean, that's the other
2: right. the other oh, scenario.
0: They either come, come, yeah. yeah, it, yeah it's yeah. not easy to make a Sasquatch uh, uh, sighting happen. It's
3: yeah, it well, just happens. You know, you know, it's a chance. Majority of the population are not going out to try to see a Sasquatch. But the vast majority of the sighting reports are by people who had no intention of trying to see a Sasquatch. Mm -hmm. They're just people going on about their business, and they just happen to be at the right place at the right time or the wrong place at the wrong time, depending upon how you look at it when they encounter one. And they just see the unbelievable for a few moments before it disappears, and they're usually left standing there with a rather babbling look on their face wondering what the hell that was they just saw. And then mm-hmm. in most, especially still here in Canada, they they'll tell one or two friends about it or family members. They're told they're crazies, so they decide to keep quiet about it.
1: Right. Uh,
3: it's been the same scenario since the beginning of, since the beginning of the mystery when the word Sasquatch was first coined in the nineteen twenties. In the United well, States. I... Go ahead. Go
1: ahead, okay. okay, well, go ahead, Gunnar. Oh, okay. Well, I know that. Um... <laughs> A lot of – most of the sightings are actually reported while people are in a car driving.
3: Oh, yes. But you ask your average person, uh, your average big town dweller or city dweller, has he ever seen a deer? He'll probably say yes. You ask him what were the circumstances of the sighting of the deer. Nine times out of ten, he saw it on the roadside or crossing a road while he was driving in his car. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's – it's just, it's just the simple fact that when you're driving on, on lonely highways, going through wilderness areas, the odds are greatly increased that so you're going to be at the right place at the right time to encounter something like this, more likely than you are uh, sitting in your apartment building in downtown Manhattan. <laughs> right, right.
1: Well, that depends on who you ask. I know yeah, some people that that's
2: claim that they, they have them.
3: <laughs> living in their
1: bathroom and floating oh. across their ceilings. And,
3: oh, well, uh, there are yeah. a, lot people, a lot of stories. I mean, one of the biggest problems with this field of research today, and I've said this before, is, um, uh, well, it's become an asylum that's been take, uh, taken over by the inmates in a lot of cases. I mean, there are people who claim to encounter Sasquatch uh, three days of the week, Communicate with them, talk to them, but they can they can always, but it always comes down to you got to take my word for it because I can't give you anything else. Right,
2: exactly. right. Yeah,
3: and uh, and you know, and on the unfortunate side effect so with things like television shows, like finding Bigfoot, and believe me, there are shows out there now that make finding Bigfoot look like Masonian special. Uh, right. It has become trendy in the U.S. to say you saw Bigfoot, and that is causing a lot of problems. So it right. certainly ups
0: the bar for researchers who who field reports. I mean, you have, mm-hmm. to, you have to be way more vigilant about uh, vetting um, reports of, that are, are submitted, just like you say. There. I mean, the, the it's a two-sided coin to me is that that, uh, you know, it's raised awareness of the subject and that's both, like you say, it's both good and bad. Um, there's a lot more opportunity for, for fake reports and hoaxing to go on. And, um, as well on the other side, it also kind of opened the door for people that, that have had encounters and never really felt comfortable telling anybody about it. But, uh, because it's kind of more become more mainstream, um, it's allowed some encounters that never had been shared before uh to come huh. out of the woodwork. Have you experienced that side of the coin too?
3: Oh yes. I mean, like you said the internet and everything, it's been a great tool in some ways and it's been a pain in the butt in others. <laughs> but
2: There's a lot of
3: it yeah, I mean, it, it's big, it is great, a great tool for someone who's actually had an encounter of some kind to try to communicate with somebody to try and report it. On the other hand, it's also the best tool in the world for every snake oil salesman and the yarn spinner out there. Uh, I mean, all you have to do is do a little bit of homework, and you can come up with a completely convincing fake report nowadays and sound completely convincing. Fortunately, the trend is for people who make up such stories they still tend to suffer from the same affliction they always have. They, t- they tend to go overboard. Mm-hmm. It's like they forgot they over they 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 should have. They went way past the stop switch sign when they should have stopped before. They might have gotten away with it, <laughs> but they keep going. Right, Make it a little bit oh, more,
2: plastic,
3: a little more unbelievable. <laughs> and finally, <laughs> the belt, the the red flag goes up, and you realize this guy's blowing out both ends because there's only <laughs> three possibilities in this. The sasquatch exists, so that means some people have actually seen it. The sasquatch doesn't exist, therefore everybody who reports one is either mistaken or they're lying. They're the only three choices we have. And I, you, you, I'm sure you've realized, and most of your, inter- your audience realizes now, that I'm definitely in the zoological camp. I do not mm-hmm. associate those sasquatch with UFOs, interdimensional, shape shifting, uh, giving out love vibes at the top of mountains to Kalani <laughs> or anything like that.
2: <laughs> and I don't. Oh,
3: uh, I don't. I'm not hitting any of those cats To me, that's all a lot of nonsense. So, um, if the
4: yeah.
3: it exists, it's a flesh and blood primate, and it's been here. It always has been here, and it's still thriving. Totally agree with
1: that. Hmm. Well, now, listen, I have a question, Thomas, for you from the chat room. Um, somebody was wanting to know, do you, investigator, have you had any um, reports from the Kaloops, Salmon Arm, or Revelstoke areas of B.C.? Yes. Yes?
3: Yes. All
1: three? or All three. Wow. Yeah, and not, when was not, the
3: latest? most recent one was a couple of years ago near Salmon Arm. A truck driver reported he almost hit one. When he was driving east with a with a eighteen wheel eighteen wheeler, you know, he thought he was he thought some crazy tall guy in a fur coat had crossed the road in front of him, and then he realized he's wearing a skin tight fur suit. He was able to watch the thing before it disappeared uh, off the trees on the right hand side. That was just a couple of years ago.
4: Hmm.
3: Yeah, I'd have to look back at my files to give you details, but yeah, in all those areas there have been encounters, and yes, and there've been reports, and yes, I've looked into. A number of them in all all those areas.
1: Oh,
3: okay. That's very interesting.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, what, how far will you go for a report? I mean, oh,
3: how well, far have you gone as far as travel time? Oh, well, when I had a lot more money,
2: uh,
3: <laughs> <laughs> my income, uh, and I was living in Calgary, it was nothing for me to pack up and head to the west coast two or three times a year. I uh, went down to California quite often, uh, Oregon, Washington. I went up to Alaska, the Yukon. Uh, when I was younger and a lot more uh, gung-ho, uh, if someone reported a Sasquatch at Bella Coola, I'd pack up the Land Rover and I'd drive 12 hours almost, not only stopping for gas until I got there, just to hear that oh, it actually happened two weeks ago, or, oh, it's oh. probably saw something else, or, you know, that kind of thing. That didn't bother me. Today, I'm more of a homebody. I kind of stick to my general area here, which is the lower mm-hmm. mainland of British Columbia and around the Harrison Lake area. And if I hear about something on Vancouver Island, I'll contact a colleague who's closer and let them look into it, or someone in Washington and Oregon or California, and they'll do the same thing to me, for me when they hear something up here. Like what I just told you about, I just got a report that was sent to Cliff Brackman about something seen in eastern B.C. So I'll try and contact this gentleman on the phone to see what he has to say about it, because it is a two-year-old report. I'm not going to pack up and race all the way out there, because the odds are, okay. two years, there's no indication at the spot where it was seen that was ever there. But 20 years ago, I probably would have done that.
0: Well, that right. happens when you, you know, that's
3: your age. You get milder as you get, <laughs> <to> get old. <laughs> right, right. right. Mm. More skeptics, too.
1: And there's nothing wrong with that. You have to have that, too, mm. you know. A
3: healthy dose of skepticism something. is the best tribute a researcher can have.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: A healthy dose of skepticism, I'll repeat that, is the best thing a researcher can have because it's the ones you can't find another explanation for that will keep you intrigued
2: right that's true is it yeah there's, oh.
0: you, you got to run them through the the filter and and the best right now that we we get is that um, it isn't it falls into the interesting file because you know, short of a body, we're we're not proving it. You know, there's lots of fuzzy photos, and and orange,
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, orange is the new is the new black circle on on Facebook of pictures. You know, where people, if you have to circle it, it's probably not going to prove Bigfoot exists.
3: Oh, no. no. Okay. Put it this way: <laughs> any video footage or photograph where someone is telling you what you're looking at it, as evidence, it's already gone out the window.
0: Right. right, exactly.
3: Alright. I mean if it's open to interpretation as evidence it is useless. If someone has well, to circle, at... there's the Sasquatch and you go, Where? Oh that circle there <laughs> and an arrow pointing at it. Uh, <laughs> well, that blobby thing there? And go, yeah. Well, right then and there, that's as evidence that's nothing. Even if it was a Sasquatch. As evidence it is useless. Well no. Well, it's have you recent... ever
1: seen any photos or videos? of a Sasquatch yourself, Thomas? Clear ones that you, you know, are like, oh, wow, there it is. Has anyone privately ever showed you? Uh,
3: are, Clear you uh, are you saying uh, other than the PG film of October 20, 1967? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I've been shown a few photographs and stuff that I find are interesting because I know the individuals who took them, and I tend to believe that they're not lying to me. Well, there's a very interesting photo that was taken a couple years ago at the north end of Harrison Lake that I only got to see once, and it's hard to find this gentleman because he lives up there in a remote area, and I've been trying to get a hold of him ever since. He showed me a photograph of of a subject he took, and it was fascinating. It was a good, clear picture of either an excellent costume or a real Sasquatch, one or the other. Uh, knowing uh, knowing the gentleman's circumstances, I'm not sure uh, I know for a fact that he did not have the ability to photoshop something like this, or did he have the money to produce such a costume? Uh, but he he sort of like disappeared now, and I'm still been trying to get a hold of him.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: A fellow uh, who runs a little business, an American fellow who comes up here every summer named Bill Miller, who's a colleague and researcher
4: mm-hmm.
3: in the Harrison Hotchmakers, took a photograph in two thousand and four that for for most people would look at and say, well, there could be other explanations for that, and they would have a very valid point in saying so. But I know the man who took it, and I know the circumstances under which he took it, and I know he's not lying to me. So if his, his story checks out, that's probably definitely a Sasquatch he took a picture of.
0: Well, it's the, wow. The,
3: it all comes I always down, say that all all evidence requires
0: context. So Correct that it's helpful if you can, there's a, besides just seeing a photograph, and that's one of the problems with, with Facebook, or with the internet, is mm-hmm. people are posting up, uh, you know, photos and saying, there's a Bigfoot in this picture, with and there's no context, there's no before and after picture, there's no, you know, what, if if you took a single picture, where's where's any other pictures mm-hmm. of the area, you know, it's, uh, and, and happen well, it is the habit when they know personally, and and can vouch for their their right.
2: uh,
3: motives. You've got to look into these things. There were two videos shot here near the missionary British Columbia a couple of years ago that have been all over YouTube and the Internet, passed off as actual footage of Sasquatch. Mm-hmm. And I, I went and looked into it. One was, it looks like a sh- Sasquatch acting like a nonchalant black bear in Yellowstone Park while a whole busload of Japanese tourists are taking a half a dozen pictures of it.
2: Well, well, i that see was that. That's
3: not real. <laughs> that was a hoe. And not mm-hmm. only did I look into it, but I also know who did it, and I also know who they went through to get the costume or what type of costume they use, because the town of Harrison Hot Springs uses a similar costume every year in their Sasquatch Day celebrations. So that mm-hmm. was a
2: hoax.
3: And there's another video of uh, uh, that was taken at Hoover Lake, just north of here that same year, that is purported to shoot a Sasquatch that I think was a case of mistaken identity, but it's passed off. You, you've seen it. Thinker Thunker thinks it's a real Sasquatch. A lot of people do. Mm. Uh, but I found out by, by, by going to the area and looking at the aerial photographs, the area, what lake it was actually shot at was called Hoover Lake, which is just north of the Mission Dump. And I found out that the name the man that they actually filmed, so it was not an attempted hoax, it was a case of mistaken identity because the camera was very far from the subject when they shot the picture. So if they were able to get it any clearer, any closer, you would have seen it was a man carrying a backpack. Mm-hmm. I know who the man was. I know his name, Brandon Pollack. And he was out there fishing with a buddy, and he was on that little island outcropping in the lake looking for firewood. And that's what he was doing when these people up high on the hillside on the road videotaped them jumping off a rock and doing this and doing that, and they thought they had shots of a Sasquatch instead of a very tall, skinny guy mm-hmm. named Animpola, who was uh, If they just right. built another 20 minutes, they would have seen him get back in a rowboat, which was out of film sight at the time, <laughs> and seen him row back across the lake. <laughs> or they did that uh, on purpose. In case, they right. a case of mistaken identity. But well, the point is, you look into these things, you can find other explanations for it. And that's what real investigation ought to be. You look into it, and you dig, and you find. And if you find other explanations, well, that's good, too. Just because the end result is not what you hoped doesn't make it any less solved.
0: Exactly. Well, the well, like, people conversation forgetting. we had was, about, was a particular audio recording that, that people – didn't understand, you know, it was unusual and eventually it was found to be coyotes. Is that correct? And, and people are up in arms about it. It's like, Oh, oh were no,
2: that's big. that one. <laughs> and then even,
0: even when it was, it was, you know, confirmed that with a visual of the, of the, the coyotes making this, this audio, this vocalization, you know, somebody saw them doing it and, and, uh, People still, mm-hmm. I mean, people become emotionally attached to the re, you know to the results or well, or to their interpretation.
3: Research. That's another problem in this field of research. There are still a few people who I have not heard from since the the, the day of the the sounds, who I'm sure were quite upset with me when I announced that. And uh, I never hear from them anymore. But then again, I never hear from them on anything anymore. <laughs> they, may have, they may have just taken the wind out of their sails. I don't know. Because there were a lot of people who used these particular type of cries in their call blasting uh, expeditions. And I had the feeling they were just getting other coyotes calling back, and they never realized it. Yeah, that's true. I said, I, I don't know why, why they got. You find an explanation, it doesn't make it any un, less solved. Take those recordings off the list and go on to the other ones that we still have no explanation for. But, you see, there are too many people in this field. This goes back to the asylum being run by the inmates. Absolutely. People are not really researchers. They're more like religious or, or cult leaders trying to push a faith rather than a researcher trying to find an answer to a question.
1: Right, right. Oh right. yeah, we have a lot of that anymore.
3: Yeah, I mean, they're they're totally convinced, and their big job is to try and convince everybody else. But if you want, if you're a real researcher, you have to face the possibility that in the end, you could turn out to be wrong. It is still right. possible that the Sasquatch and everything about the Sasquatch is just a great piece of Western Canadian mythology and folklore, or North American mythology and folklore, if you include the United States and Bigfoot in all of this. It could turn out to be that way. That doesn't make it any less more valuable to look into and research and study, but you have to accept the possibility that's what it may turn out to be in the end. I don't believe that. I still think the animal is real, but I'm willing to be convinced I'm wrong if the evidence eventually convinces me of that. All right, but a lot the of thing people, is that no, we, none not, of us have proven it They're like, they're like the uh, Roman Catholic Church They'll bury it in the vaults the, of, the, of the church And hope no one ever sees it <laughs> 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 The point is,
0: we
2: we right. have not,
0: none of us None. No one who calls themselves a Bigfoot researcher Has come forth with conclusive evidence That proves that this animal uh, is, exists so well, until everything is up in the air, until that until that is done, I mean, you, any, know, you know, after, I've after. had a lot of, I've I spent a lot of time in the woods and I've heard a lot of weird things and we've processed, you know, we've collected copious amounts of of audio stuff and 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 look at it through Sonic Visualizer and and we put some there's things that we have recorded that we that don't match up with any known animal, so right. but. You know, and I've had some weird stuff happen. I, you know, what oh, what yeah, I, I think sure. was a rock thrown in our in our direction, and but I I didn't see what how the rock got from point A to B, and so you'll never hear me say that Bigfoot did this or Big until I see Bigfoot, you know, and uh, do one of these things or make a vocalization. And there's a
3: lot of,
2: of oh good uh, that kind people of that speak it. in
3: definitive terms. That kind of mm-hmm. attitude makes you a good researcher because that's what you need to have. If you're willing to, you just Bigfoot had to have done it because there's no other explanation. How many times have I heard people say, "Well, there was nobody else within miles around of me." Well, how the hell do you know that? Were you monitoring every hiking trail and forest service road that came into that area that day? How do you know there were no people around? Well, well, I mean, that's crazy. If, well, no yeah. one's ever been there. No one has ever, ever been there. How do you know that? You're there.
2: Right. I mean,
3: <laughs> it's always funny. That, it's right, always surprising
0: right. to me when, I, when I'm when i out somewhere and I think I'm really remote <laughs> and then I find a beer can. You know, I'm like, okay, yeah. there's, you know, I mean, there's, somebody's been here at some point. We, right. People, right. humans are not very good at not leaving sign that
3: they've been in an area.
2: <laughs> I mean, I had, I had, I
3: took a lot of heat for, I have a, a blog site. Uh, which I did a, a few video presentations on, um, on certain subjects of this research, and I did one on shelters and nests.
2: Oh, yeah. And I,
3: you know, there's no evidence ever been found that Sasquatch has anything to do with this stuff. This is just another one of those tales, uh, through time and retelling, over and over and over again. It's taken on a life of its own, and it never should have. You know, and people are saying, well, how, what explanation do you have for this one? I mean, I uh, I mean, we found no signs. There was one old boot around, but we found no signs of people. So a Sasquatch had, well, did you find any evidence mm-hmm. of Sasquatch? Well, no. Well, what did you find? You found evidence of people, the boot. <laughs> <laughs> there.
2: You know,
3: that's, that's that's pretty good proof that there were some people around there at some time in the past.
0: Exactly. You
3: know? Right. I mean, no, it, it's just they, they, they a total, total I don't know. Some people um, in this field, common sense goes by the wayside because they want something to happen so badly. You know, well, that's,
0: I think that's true. Spread. There is a lot of of yeah. that. Is you spend people are emotionally invested in the the result. They think that you know they believe that you start out with the premise that the I believe Sasquatch exists and I'm going to prove it. I'm going to bring back proof. And people, I think that happens. People, will, you know. Um, go out looking for Bigfoot and and he do it enough that they get frustrated when they don't find anything that they could, you know and like I said, there's I found impression that look like foots in the woods but didn't see Bigfoot do it, didn't you know, it it do I go I think that I, I think that there are, these animals exist and I think that they're I agree with you, that they're biological entities, that, you know, it's an animal, we're dealing with an animal, Um, how, you know, how intelligent an animal, it seems to be a really intelligent animal, smarter than a deer, probably, you know, smarter than uh, other known animals in the woods, but um, I watched a movie last night that that featured a a, uh, Kodiak bear in it from back in the 90s called The Edge with uh, uh, Anthony Hopkins in it. And this mm-hmm. bear tracked them, you know. And it and to me in the in the movie the bear showed a lot of intelligence. Um, it's surprising, and we're t- but we're talking about something that is a primate that probably is smarter than any other animal in the woods, and and is has is we're talking about an animal that probably has the lowest population of any animal in the woods. So the
3: so it's called, not surprising that it's not
0: mm-hmm. not more sure.
3: prevalently, you know. That movie called The Edge, and it was filmed in around Banff, Alberta, which is an area that I spent a lot of time in when I was on the Alberta side of the Rocky Mountains looking for Sasquatch evidence. That was a great movie. I loved that movie. Yeah, it was good. Yeah,
0: Susan insisted that I watch it, and it was was worth the watch. So I noticed Mm -hmm. that and was thinking of you when I saw where it was in Banff was one of the areas that it was filmed in. So, Mm -hmm. so Thomas... um, tell us a little bit about your relationship with with uh the late John Green and well, we lost. were very, he's
3: go ahead John Green was the late John Green who we, who passed away last May uh when I did your show a year ago he was still alive but was not doing very well uh he was my teacher my mentor and one of my best friends uh he and and the late Rennie Dehendon and, and um were the two guys and the late Vladimir Marcot who really, really got me going and inspired me in this. I met John in nineteen seventy nine. I mean he could have just slammed the door in my face. I just I was going around, nosing around, sticking my nose into things in the late seventies and I showed up at his, I called him and I, I showed up at his door, he could have just dismissed me as another one of these got here and will be probably never hear from him again after the weekend types that he probably dealt with a million times he could have slammed the door in my face but he didn't. Uh, he took he invited me into his home and he uh, showed me his Alberta because I was in Alberta at the time and he was fascinated he really wanted to have a, con- a contact on the east side of the Rocky Mountains. And that's how I became good friends with John Green because anything I heard about in Eastern BC and Western Alberta, I'd send the details to him, and he'd put it up on his uh, in, in his file system. And if he heard something in my neighborhood, he'd make sure I'd hear about it so we could go and look into the matter. But John, yeah, I mean, I spent a lot of time with John Green, and uh, when. He, He started failing after uh, his late wife, June, died a number of years before him. It really took a lot of wind out of his sails, and he started to fade rather quickly after June was gone. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I mean, we had been expecting it for a Mm -hmm. long time, but it's still a shock when it happens. Right. Especially since, uh, before he passed, I was just talking to him on the phone a couple of nights before. I had gone and visited him about three weeks before um and John uh, it was it was sad to see he would be sharp as a tack and uh one minute and then the next minute he couldn't remember anything so um uh, getting old is a terrible thing
2: mm-hmm.
3: and, and all I can say about John Green is he, he did he, every step of the way he did it with the utmost dignity pride and um I'll miss him and I will uh, I miss him. Uh, that's about all I have to say about that. Yeah.
0: Well, he's. I mean, it's interesting because you guys have are kind of the same mindset that he was a very pragmatic mm-hmm. about his approach to the research right. and to the subject.
3: Right. right. Yeah. yeah. But John, he was a great collector and accumulator of data. And When something right. when he was able to go look at something, he'd do it. But he was mainly accumulator of data. Rennie was the one that, in the early years, that really mm-hmm. went out field and tried to look at the things in detail. And he and John were almost partners when they began, and they had a falling out. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the most amazing things about my early years in this is I was be able, I was able to be friends and do research with all these guys: Green, DeHinden, Titmus, Krantz. <laughs> and I never got sucked into their personal conflicts because half the time you couldn't get them in the same room together
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, you know, yeah I heard about that <laughs> and unlike
3: others they never held it against me and I still really don't know why because there were other people if Rennie heard that he was visiting John Green or he heard he was visiting Titmus, Rennie would have nothing to do with him you know and vice versa yeah. But me? <laughs> I just get the third degree. So, so what <laughs> does that teacher say about that <laughs> doctor? Actually, I'm not telling
2: you. Not yet. <laughs>
3: I'm not telling you. <laughs> Simple as that. <laughs> <laughs> I, won't tell, I won't tell them what you say either. So I guess good, they took me out of the word. I, I think you just already nailed it as
0: to why, why that, you know, <laughs> you're able to maintain... Friendships and working relationship, because you you didn't bad mouth one to the other, and I think that that'd be a, a good uh, lesson for current bigfooting. Is you know oh, if yeah. you have something nice, no, it kind of I goes back to the if you don't have something nice to say, don't say it at all.
3: No, yeah. I took sides, and I actually Renee Rene for all his uh, uh, um, uh, biases and faults, he sure loved a good debate. And when he found someone who was willing to argue with him or something, he seemed that seemed to get that didn't raise his ire. That get, that got you his respect. I mean, I'd sit there. I remember sitting there at night in Rene, with Renee, and we'd argue into the night about things. Uh, he'd be getting hot tempered, but after the debate was over, everything was fine.
2: <laughs>
3: you know, no problem. Sometimes I even got him to thinking twice about a few things. But uh, no, what was going through his mind? But when it came to uh, subjects like green and stuff, if I thought green was right and the him was wrong, I'd tell him. You know? I think you're wrong
0: <laughs> about this, right? Now. He goes, what? Don't you mean i We're going to get into Operation Sea Monkey here in a second. But but uh, one of the funny things about about being on that trip was you you do the best, Renee. Hinden, and and Todd Neese does a, a great Peter Byrne. I still remember <laughs> Todd calling me up on. I, I get this message mm-hmm. and it's Peter. This is Peter Poon. Mister, this is Peter Poon. And and then about you know after about a minute Todd says Oh no, this is Todd. <laughs> like, you know like bastard.
2: <laughs> but yeah, you got
0: So it was a little bit like going back in time on Operation Sea Monkey because there was there was <laughs> Tom Thomas Emerald, Ebert, and the and then. And then we had had uh, Renee DeHinden, and then we
3: had uh, Todd Neese nice and <laughs> Peter Byrne were both on. And so it was a crowded boat. We had Tom Yammer <laughs> on around. We would have had Bob Gimlin there too. I've never heard a better impression. Of Bob
2: <laughs>
3: and John Green, Just well, ask Bill Miller. He can do John Green like you'd swear he was standing right beside him. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay. It looks like the show. <laughs> <laughs> Good
3: stuff. Oh, you gotta forgive me, a train's going by and I keep coughing all the time.
2: Oh, well, that's all right. <laughs> yeah.
1: okay. Let me um get one more question in here from the chat room before we um get onto the operation sea monkey. Um I have a person wanting to know, Thomas, what your opinion is of the Freeman footage. Which one? Um, probably, they didn't say which one, but I'm, I'm thinking probably the one where he's down by the water edge and he's looking at the foot there it is, and then he goes up. Yeah.
3: yeah, there it is, that one. I'm going to say this bluntly and to the point. I really like, I knew Paul Freeman. He was a hell of a nice guy. Take a shirt off his back for you. And I defended Paul Freeman a lot longer than I should have. I believe Paul Freeman gained prominence in this field in 1980-81 when he was working as a watershed ranger and watching State stake there in the Blue Mountains when, when he had his first alleged Sasquatch encounter. I thought, and I was totally convinced that Paul, Paul Freeman was telling me the truth. I fell for it. But Rennie kept telling me, go talk to Arden, go talk to Arden, talk to this guy, you'll find out things." And I did. I researched. I studied. I learned. I went with the facts. And I have to say now, Paul Freeman, in my opinion, was a prime example of what I politely referred to as Ivan Marx. Syndrome. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by that? Somebody who may have had an encounter at one time And was the center of attention mm-hmm. And when that attention dies down This individual feels that the attention is more important Than the, the subject itself So they do what they can to remain the center of attention Well, and some people Hoping refer come to across Currently... Go ahead. In answer to your question about the Freeman footage, and I assume it's the one where he goes, oh, there he goes. Yeah, and there he goes the now. What a coincidence. That one. In my opinion, that is a attempted hoax on Freeman's part. I think the figure in the film is remarkably similar to Freeman's son, Dwayne, in size and Scope, and I think it's the same costume they both tried to pass off as a, in a series of still photos taken a number of years before, which is probably Dwayne Paul in the same costume. I mean, this is like about the third or fourth time Freeman came forward with alleged footage of Sasquatch. And quite frankly, it got to the point where, like I said, a hell of a nice guy. I could talk to him for hours and i did and it got to the point the last time i saw paul freeman before he died in 2001 was down in seattle in a coffee shop i walked up and he said you're not going to grill me again are you thomas i said you bet i am he said oh darn <laughs> and, and i did like i said paul freeman was a hell of a nice guy. He uh, may have had a, a true track finding at one point or another, but the vast majority of the stuff mm-hmm. he produced over the years, in my opinion, was a result of what I refer to as Ivan Mark syndrome, Paul Freeman trying to keep himself in the limelight and the center of attention.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, um, some I people can have, believe that have because that happens a lot. Yeah. It's, yeah, and that's, that's in my hard, opinion, I mean, the. Uh,
3: Answer to You're, your the fellow who asked the question is referring to the there he goes footage. I think that is a hoax.
0: So the
2: okay.
0: I mean, you could you could say the person that been uh,
2: mm-hmm. mentioned
0: that same kind of context is that yeah. probably has
3: Everything activity and come out with is a hoax. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, there was
0: some.
3: He may have had so, some foot
0: stuff happen to him, but but the stuff yeah, there's some stuff that's pretty obviously not.
3: Um, right,
0: but it's interesting. So, yeah,
3: what's the difference between Todd Standing and so many other hoaxes is Todd Stanning has money to burn and spend on his hoaxing, mm-hmm. and he's able to do a better job of it. I mean, when someone comes out with these amazing stories over and over and over again, it doesn't take much lo- long for the red flags to go off and the common sense switch to hit. I mean, you just listen to the circumstances around Todd Standing's encounters; they're unbelievable. I crawled five miles up along a creek <laughs> and then the wall into the <laughs> land. Uh, I mean, come on, come on, give me a yeah. break. no, that okay. But okay, but Mr. there's JT there's some too. people that
0: think that some of the yeah. early thing that he had something happen that that he tried doing that was then later embellished for the same reason for keeping attention.
3: I've seen paperwork that shows that Todd standing in uh, in the early part of just the late '90s and just after the year 2000 was trying to get financing for a. a a movie project he was interested in called Salvanic, which was supposed to be mm-hmm. the usual
2: short right, exactly. horror film
3: of teenagers with girls with big breasts getting killed by something in the woods. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh,
3: movie. He just got <laughs> caught up. He was in theaters in the Edmonton area and stuff. John Green's family went and checked out wasn't one of his presentations. They said he was charging thirty dollars for people to come in and see these flip it's a three second clip of something moving in the trees. You know, it was yeah, I remember that. Yeah, it was absolutely yep. ridiculous. So no, um in my opinion, and Todd Standing was basically the area he was concentrated on is an area where I spent twenty years doing research. In the area of Pier Lougheed Park in Kananaskis Country of Alberta. And I gotta tell you there's no place there called Salvanic It doesn't exist. <laughs> 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 and there's no hidden Valley through a hole in the mountain anymore With dinosaurs and things from the past And it's Well,
2: story,
3: some people you know? Still believe standing Well, people will believe anything There are mm-hmm. people I can start a religion tomorrow with a worshipping Bowling balls, I probably have 30 people <laughs> dying Within a few months You know, there are a lot of nice people Who want to believe
2: anything
3: <laughs> And they will I mean, if, we, wow. if I come out with a with a carcass of a sasquatch tomorrow, and laid it out on the CBC News and, and Fox News. can't go with MSBC because they're kind of uh, biased and left-wing.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> and I laid it out for the whole world to see. There still be people out there who saying it's got to be fake because there is no Bigfoot. Right, confirmation bias. There are still people out there who are so religious Mm -hmm. they will not accept the fact that the dinosaurs once existed. Right. As far as they're concerned, that's just a big conspiracy to downplay organized religion. I mean, you'll never have 100% support by everybody on anything, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's just the way it is.
0: Right. Yeah. So, no, Tom, let's talk a little it bit it about you, you. You were uh, a participant in Operation Sea Gas, as was I. And let's talk a little bit about your uh, your experience um, with the project that, that uh, Todd and East put together, along with Thomas Seawood and, and yourself and Ron Morhan and I. And Victor, Victoria. I'm
2: willing to Yes.
3: <laughs> so was a, um, that was the a great expedition. Go
2: ahead.
3: That was a great expedition. It was, uh, five, uh, I believe, was five days long in amongst the islands and the archipelago between Vancouver Island and the mainland of British Columbia, which has a long, long history of Sasquatch and Sasquatch sightings going back to long before the uh, white man ever showed up on this part of the continent. Uh, Tom Seward was the perfect guide for that because he's, uh, uh well, I always called him the Kuala, but it's Clock Clock and is the proper name or something like that. He kept correcting us all the time. He's, he's a member of the Clock Clock and Walk First Nation.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, had to do it a million times, and he knew he was a goldmine of knowledge of the local uh, of history of sightings in that particular area, kind of like myself around here in the Harrison area. He knew everything. Uh, he also knew some stuff that I think were rather, you know, kind of far out there, but uh, that's all part of First Nation all history and tradition but he was the perfect guide for such an expedition and going to these remote islands, which people rarely visit at a time when the Sasquatch is reported seeing down eating clams and shellfish in the salmon runs. I mean, I I thought it was a great opportunity to try and find something. And if we had more time, uh, I think maybe after a a while, we we might've actually come across something. Unfortunately, no, uh, what I would call convincing evidence, was found on the expedition of Sasquatch. Other than that uh, second night out, when we uh, found possible footprints uh, near where Tom had an old cabin tore uh, that was rotting away, and there was indications of something had moved through the grass there. Uh, but other than that, Sasquatch evidence-wise, other than uh, a lot of interesting stories from people, we really didn't find mm-hmm. anything. Yeah, but that wasn't from lack of trying. Right. I mean, we counted almost everything else you can imagine, black bears, deer. We saw, saw well, wolves, grizzly bears, <laughs> just not the animal we were looking for.
4: Yeah,
0: and that,
3: uh, But yeah, I mean, I, I
0: didn't ex- I didn't go expecting to come back with conclusive evidence of Bigfoot. I mean, poor Sasquatch, because it is Canadian. I will defer to the Canadian's uh designation but but i would i mean it it was a great opportunity to go and check out and like you said uh thomas seawood is is who we're going to have on the show here uh coming up wealth of information uh uh lots of stories um some personal uh encounters and he took us to a couple of different areas where he he actually lived on one of the islands for I I don't even know like twenty years or something and oh yeah and of fact,
3: had, we were outside the ruins of his family home there on uh, one of the abandoned right. village islands there yeah
0: village yeah. island
3: yeah yeah and and it was and uh, it was the area where he grew up and um, well boy was there a lot of bear cattle on those trails.
0: In, yeah, yeah and it was an a, interesting a
3: totem that had fallen and was, uh, uh, was slowly uh, being reclaimed by the natural elements. Yeah, it was a fascinating area. The only, criticism, uh, the only difference, I would say, I would have preferred if we had spent more time in certain areas rather than going from beach to beach, island to island to island. I would have liked to have right. spent maybe a day or two ashore on some of these areas having a look around.
0: Right. You know, and, and I think and the,
3: the English, I this is a number of islands in trip. half, spent more time in some of the more promising areas and spent more time looking there. But uh, right. other than that, I thought was was uh, it was fine. Uh, I would have changed the name. I would have called it Expedition Coast Primate or something like that, not Operation sea,
0: <laughs> <laughs> But I, I I do tell Todd that, that that was an unfortunate uh <laughs> Name for the for the uh, outing because um, uh, t- tell me it, use the term it was a little too, off.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: it sounded a little bit you know, uh, too tongue in cheek, given that that it was meant to be a, a serious uh, endeavor. And um, so, what was the most like you said? Tell tell us about the because I I actually was not on the uh, excursion to the island when when the um, when you went with with uh, Victoria and Todd and and I think Ron and and ha- you guys had some weird weird uh t- well, found was, the most compelling
2: I don't know
3: there was something just in the atmosphere. it was our second night out remember the first night we spent sc- sculling the shores in the zodiacs with the uh 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 night vision and the flurs and the sound Mm -hmm. amplification devices. And basically the biggest sound we heard was a barred owl. But um, the second night, uh, that's when we saw the first black bear, remember, in the mist before it got dark. And we had gone ashore to place Todd's um, ground sensor he has, which is uh, sort of a sensor device like I think like dates back from the U.S. military to the time of the Vietnam War, where they put this wire cable in the ground, and it is so sensitive that if you walk or stop the ground a hundred yards from it, it picks it up. And we were putting that down, and and we there was just something about the atmosphere that night, and with those foot uh, or what appeared to be footmarks in the grass. That was fascinating, and and, and Victoria was actually uh, um, getting rather nervous. She, she she. I don't know how many times she said, let's get the hell out of here. Let's get the hell out of here. Let's get the hell out of here. And said, no, no, relax, relax. We'll put them out. So Todd and I were put deploying the sensors and the cameras. Uh, <laughs> it's heading back, Todd told me, uh, almost back in the zone at the beach, Todd told me, St- Stomp the grounds, I did, and sure enough, the sensors picked it up. And we had the, and we had the receiving end. And it was a walkie-talkie, and anytime something would activate that sensor, we could even hear it on the boat. Then we knew something was there. And that whole night went by, and I swear to God, that sensor never went off once. At least I never heard it go off. And the next no. morning, we went retrieved it and went to another location. But I would have loved to spend two or three days in that area just like I would have loved to spend two or three days in the area where the salmon rum was going. We had the, the run in with the grizzly. Bear. <laughs>
2: yeah. Uh, well, that's uh, that
3: was scary. So let, yeah. But we have to
0: tell the grizzly story because it was, that <laughs> that was probably the, the most uh, adventurous part of, at least, at least for me. <laughs> I mean, I, but uh, yeah. Uh, so they, the one evening we, we anchored in a, where there was the mouth of a river, because we wanted to, it was uh, we wanted to go look for tracks, and we were going to go up this river, and uh, and look. Um, Thomas said there was a
3: history there, and uh, and so uh, I know. Yeah, a, and, gri- and a the group night before, I asked him. He wanted to know was there anywhere where the salmon were still running, and 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 uh, right. uh, seaward remembered this river and it was a salmon run stream, and he said, if there's any chance of something coming down to feed on salmon, that's probably where we'd find it. And when we went ashore, we went. there was like, it was high tide, and there was sort of like a, a large boulder outcropping going out into the water. That was really the only place mm-hmm. we could really put the Zodiac in. And uh, yeah. on the landing party, it was myself, uh, Todd, you, and... Uh, who else was it? Was that uh, Darren that went with us on that?
0: Yeah, Darren went. I actually came over separately. Yeah, yeah, it was you and Darren and Todd and then I came over on a separate.
3: Right. It was a couple of us on there. We uh, mm-hmm. Todd had uh, Tom Seward's shotgun. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
3: and uh, we were going to uh, and we hadn't gone to shoreline. It was a beautiful beach area there, um, of wet muddy sand where everything that went through left good footprints. I only gone a few steps and I found wolf prints. And I pointed mm-hmm. that out Todd. And later on when we started walking towards where the river was, there was beautiful sets of grizzly tracks all over the place. So we knew there were bears around. And we got down to where there was this fork where the where the river had gone in and there was this like Almost like a tunnel through this dead tree, out well, of the bush for some on We thought that would be a good place to put up the trip cameras, and that's what we ended up doing. And while we were doing that, as I recall the scenario here, uh, a message came over <laughs> the radio, Captain, uh, Captain, mm-hmm. in <laughs> his usual nonchalant way. How y'all doing? Come <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on, who's got the shotgun? <laughs> Well, uh, I think Todd Todd's got the gun, and Todd said, "Yeah, I got you. You Might want to load it." (laughs) Oh my! Oh! Why? I think it was. Well, you know that black bear we told you about earlier. It's actually a grizzly, and it's coming your way. (laughs) Oh! And it was just on the other side of this rocky outcropping where we had landed, so it was basically closer to where we had to go to get picked up than we were. And that rocky outcropping was high enough that we couldn't see the bear. So, was it no. two from the outcropping? Was it ten feet? From the where the hell was it? <laughs> so you know, uh, and, uh, I, I, and that's when Seaward or not Seaward, but uh, Todd Neese tried to load the shotgun because he thought it was loaded to begin with, and it turned out them extra shells were the main shells.
2: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: they were so rust-covered, and was
2: like, he had
3: trouble getting them in the <laughs> breach. <laughs> I think he was getting a little <laughs> PO because I could hear him cursing. <laughs> <laughs> trying to load it up. <laughs> <laughs> As a matter of fact, I think you were with me, and we were setting up the cameras. Yeah, we, we continued to carry to on our... doing we, we... job anyway, even though the bear That's is right. coming. We're going to set up the cameras yeah. anyway. I was tying the camera up above the tunnel and stuff like that. And we were looking at Todd, and I go, we know Todd's wrestling with a shotgun, and he's kind of pointing in that direction when he's doing it. And I yell, Todd!
4: "Todd!" He Todd!
2: He goes, what? I said, point it that way. I go, "Oh, oh, yeah, sorry about that.
0: Yeah, no, I was, uh, and I was looking I was <coughs> just looking at the direction that supposed, you know, that of the, the report that was <laughs> yeah, a, a grizzly on one side there. Okay, not here. us.
3: Yeah, so we get <laughs> it in and, uh, and we're all doing it. And we decided, well, we were kind of debating, well, should we try and cross the river to get some more distance between us and the bear, or what should we do? And we could see Seward in the zodiac. He was kind of like, apparently he was yelling, yelling. at
2: the yeah.
3: Bear, you know, or, or cursing the bear or something. <laughs> oh, yeah.
2: He's
3: <laughs> trying, trying to pee off the bear. Okay. <laughs> yeah. What he's trying to do is try to get it to go away in his in his clock, clocky walk language or something like that. So we all said, Oh, well, let's just, boys, I remember saying to the group, boys, bears around here in British Columbia are as common as rabbits. Don't let it worry you. Let's, let's just head right back to where, where the jetty is, and we'll make noise the bear acts normally it should hopefully go away and uh, uh I, I did notice you tried to keep us between uh, you and the bear uh, you and the bear <laughs> well you know
2: yeah. Uh, no, I, yeah. I, I did know i think someone had
3: a little fog horn or something was blowing it off uh, yeah i did yeah yeah, yeah.
2: yeah
3: uh, for some reason <laughs> I, I i just started singing the bear necessities from the jungle book yeah.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> the bear necessities <laughs> and we're going. We're just walking right back towards the bear, and I guess oh, the bear. Oh man! I guess the bear eventually. We never, we never hey, did see kind of weird. This is kind of weird. These uh. people are nuts. <laughs> and,
2: and I mean, it,
3: it we ended up, it, it, ended up back in the, back it, in the boat, and uh, yep. early the next morning, I volunteered to go in and get him because I knew where the cameras and the sensors were because I put them up. But uh, Ron Moorhead didn't get a chance to go in with the shore party of the night before so he, he wanted to go and I he went in and he got almost up to his crotch in the mud and they had to pull him out. <laughs> yeah. But when we moved well, yeah,
0: if you wanted fast to the cameras to the water. Yeah. yeah if oh, you went too wow. lot, close to the water it was very, very uh soft and and Ron got in and was sunk into the mud. So um Tom, Thomas Seawood went and, and tried to pull him out, and he had to take his boots off to to get out. and, and Ron Ron was able to get out eventually. Everybody yeah. got back safe. But the but the night when we were there, I, it's funny because that you know you always you always joke when you go out with somebody if you're you know if you're attacked by an animal you you don't have to be the fastest you have to be at fastest run faster than your buddy. And at at one point I noted I like well now it's not really a matter of who who can run the fastest, who's, who can swim the fastest. So, yeah, because we were closest to the water. To, and and, I, and I, at the whole time, I'm, like, looking back towards the direction of the river because we had, uh, there was plenty of, of uh, footprints, you know, of bears and stuff, uh, paw prints, not footprints, coming up and down that, that river. So, but, huge but that paw,
2: also, I mean, were big yeah, bears. Huge, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So we never did see the one that was on the beach with us, and uh, that mm. that did cancel because we were going to have dinner on the beach, and that's why Ron Ron was one of the people that helped cook. He's a used to own, own restaurants, so he stayed on the boat and where they were getting stuff ready to we were going to have this dinner on the beach. And after that, we decided we probably just eat on the boat.
3: And I was yeah. fine with that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there were bear <laughs> prints all over the place. There were obviously a lot, and yeah. there were obviously grizzly prints. There were a lot of grizzlies. <laughs> These are big. matter of fact. When we yeah. were pulling away uh, the next day after everything was recovered, and everything there was a huge right. yeah. a river where we were, and he was twice yeah. the size apparently as the one that was uh, that we saw the night before. But the interesting thing was, it was only like about an hour from the time we, we went, got back on the Zodiac back to the main ship, and dark. Mm-hmm. And in that time, mm-hmm. we our trip cameras we not all, we got film footage of the wolf we well, was probably making the tracks that I found, but we got a beautiful picture of a large grizzly. And then I pointed out to, mm-hmm. uh, and I mean, the, it seemed the camera was being hit. And I said, "Hey, the bear in the picture is not the one hitting the cameras; another one is." And uh, I guess it was a mother and a cub. Uh, and the cub was chewing on on. The, well, it tore the camera off the uh, of the tree apparently, and it just destroyed the strap that was holding it to the tree, because I wrapped that thing around that narrow, that narrow tree branch about, you know, ten times to secure the camera mm-hmm. on it, and bear got it off in no time. I think what it was was it's the batteries, because bears apparently love the salty taste of the batteries, so they like them like salt licks. They can smell it wow. after it, so that could be an explanation why it was so interested in the camera. Yeah, and that was obviously that was a that was a wildlife trail that came out in between, underneath those those uh, dead trees and things like that there, and it was obviously used. That's why we chose to put the trip cameras there, and uh, the sensor not too far away up on the trail, and uh, and we were right. Unfortunately, it was grizzly
2: bears. <laughs> <not so much.
3: laughs> yeah,
0: I, really I believe one. I saw that footage. Later, later, the it wasn't lost on me that you and I were standing up there by this animal trail where you know a bear was yeah. on the beach on the other side. Right. Yeah. It, it yeah. didn't say those buddies weren't in, you know, just inside the woods, smelling, thinking that we look like tasty tr- treats. But
2: oh, everybody yeah, got know, out,
0: grizzly-
3: and it was. You
2: know. <laughs> you know, we could
3: have just been a, a nice evening dinner for a family of grizzly bears. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we had a shotgun that were, where, where the, <laughs> the shells were so rusted. <laughs> so Todd realized he probably got one shot and one shot only.
4: <laughs>
3: and who knows if was, that, that was, finally left the beach and went in the trees. For all we know, it could have been on that trail going through the trees coming out right where those cameras were.
2: Right. <laughs>
3: you just don't know. It was probably watching us the whole darn time or a number of other bears. I mean, there were bears all over the place. I mean uh, it would have been a silly idea to cook burgers on the beach that night. It would really would have yeah. been oh, Yeah, it would not have been good. Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> Are well, you, you guys know, planning so that, on doing this again?
3: I know thought oh wow, I know, to, been, do it.
2: Yeah,
3: yeah I would not mind. Uh it was, oh, uh, okay. it was a expedition. It was a worthwhile expedition. I don't think with uh, with the boat. I don't think we could add too many numbers to the size of the uh, size of the team because I mean we're kind of living off of uh, on top of each other anyway. <laughs> it was so crowded in there. But uh, right. it, yeah, I mean uh, it'd be awesome. I'd pick a new name though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how about how well, i like to see you guys too. Yeah,
1: I'd like to see you guys do that and. Um, Spend like you know, like Thomas said, maybe spend a
3: week to five days at each one of those spots over a course yeah, of time. Well, that'd be, yeah, that'd be. That's, cool. I mean, if if we, if we had the same amount of time to do it again, let's say we had the same boat, the same crew, and the same amount of days, what to do different? I'd say go straight to that island where we spent the second night and spend half our time there. And spend the second half time by that salmon feeder stream again, and spend all our time there. Yeah. And all the other places yeah. we visit, uh, save them for another expedition. But spend um, a significant amount of time at the two areas where we were knew we were encountering wildlife, and the conditions yep. were there for wildlife—a food source, a water source. And of course, we have a long history of sightings. I mean, what I'm not saying there was probably Sasquatch in around where all those grizzlies were, but the area around there, I, of all the beaches we visited, that was the best place to find tracks. I would have loved the opportunity to go up that river a little ways to see if we could have find um, any other type of track or footprint other than grizzly tracks. Right, and that right, yeah, that was that our was, initial yeah. initial the uh, premise was to
0: go up the the river, but uh, I think the Grizzly
3: waylaid that idea.
2: Yeah. And we were running out <laughs> I can of
3: time. Yeah, that was our yeah. last We were running out of time, so, uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and the
2: idea uh, was, the,
3: this was actually a, a kind of a um,
0: scouting mission, if you would. It was. The, right. it was right. the idea was to go look at these different areas that, that had a – and I, I always thought that – I thought, I think, was – was under the impression that it would be one of uh you know, a series of of expeditions into the mm-hmm. area. I know that Todd Todd's I mean, one of the things that was cool about it was that Todd Nice, uh lives on a uh a boat. It isn't a big yacht as some people put out there when he was
2: doing <laughs> fundraising for
0: Operation like right that. Oh he owns a oh he owns the yacht and he's and he wants to raise money. <laughs> It was funny because there were naysayers, you know, of, of of people then and I there were people that were really supportive of, of the idea uh both both uh you know raw, raw support and some people that contributed a considerable amount of money to help fund the expedition. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. that to me was one of the cool things about it was that that uh um there was a lot of support for the commu- from the Bigfoot community. There were some that people that that poo-pooed it and, and, uh, were negative about it. But um, to me, that was kind of just sour grapes. The idea was to go, um, and into an area. uh, And I always talk about, you know, we're looking for a uh, moving needle in a haystack and, and here was an area that, that has a a history. We're going with somebody that, that knows the area and has had personal encounters in this area and, and sure it, 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 uh, and we were going at the time of year when when uh, uh, there was a higher number of, of encounters in the area than other times of year because of of the food sources. So, yeah. but I know that Todd intends to move up that way or at least travel up that way uh, after his retirement, which he's looking you know
2: okay. a few
0: more years. He's gonna retire, and me and Diane are gonna take their boat up there and hopefully uh, research that area heavily.
3: So. Oh um, Diane, I, just, I know she was. She was very disappointed. She wasn't able to go on Operation Sea Monkey. Uh, she right. really wanted. that, I think Julie, you would have loved it too. Oh
2: yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. It, uh-huh.
3: it was. It was great. It was fascinating. I mean, just standing up right. that boat in the silence of night, scanning the shorelines with those thermal devices. It's just. called, come on, something, something. Walk out onto the beach. Come on, something happened. Something happened. Come on. And come that, I'm that.
2: I'm <laughs> <laughs> that was part right, of the uh, part of the project whales, was that we whales took,
3: going we, by us all the time, dolphins. Yep, yeah. uh, and it was just again, You'd hear yep. these, pieces, and you think, "Jeez, that sounded like it came out off the shore." Then you realize there's a great big, big whale going past. <laughs> <You>
2: know, <laughs> wow, that was pretty
3: awesome. Yeah, I mean, the remoteness of it. I mean, the whole idea of these islands, it's like you can, some of them are the size of a town, some of them are only a few hundred yards across, right? And there's hundreds of them on the north end of between the mainland and Vancouver Island. So the idea of Sasquatch getting from the mainland to Vancouver Island, I mean, they could they could cross the, the switch. I mean, there were areas where the islands were so dense and thick, a person could swim from island to island to island. You know, yeah, there the
0: are places right. where
3: that's the case. Yeah. yeah, you know, and and these areas have never been, you know, other than First Nations a long time ago. There really aren't that many people there. Well, the only time there are people around is when a logging operation comes in, or 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 the military is doing an exercise in the area, or something like that. But it's rarely it's wilderness. I mean, those islands. We encountered wolves, so that wolves had to get there somehow. So that means wolves swim. You know, yeah, well, were, well, you know, they still well, debate we were up whether there had grizzlies in Vancouver Island, but there has to be because they're on the island and they're on the mainland, so and they go they, and they're everywhere in between. So the, the, there's proof there that grizzlies do cross on the islands. Mm-hmm. They do swim on this, and that no
0: was a story. When, well, we were up there of, of a of a uh, cougar swimming, being in one of the. The yep. uh, mainland, with it, and it had come from from uh, one of the islands. So and that was a, that was a big deal when we
3: were up there. Right. walking and around walking around town. Every time a big seal or sea lion popped its head up, I always took a good long look at it to make sure it was a seal or a sea lion, because I've heard <laughs> stories of squats swimming between the islands or in lakes and stuff. And basically, the only thing they expose above the waves is their head. When they do so, I've heard stories like that going back years. Uh, and there's no reason to assume that, assuming the Sasquatch does exist, they're getting from island to island between Vancouver Island and the mainland the same way everything else is. No exactly. reason to assume why they don't. Yeah. And Tom Seward. Well, he seemed to think that time of year when the salmon runs are going and the berries are ripe and stuff, that seemed to be when the most encounters between these people and the Sasquatch seemed to occur. So we were there at the right time and the right time of year to encounter something. We just didn't. Exactly. Yeah, yeah I we mean, might if,
0: have, that's just, might like have just like anywhere else. You go, you go out, I mean, in the best – that is big, that defines Bigfoot research. You go out into an area mm-hmm. that has a history, and and hope for the best, and do you yeah. know do the best that you can. Like you say, we were talking about earlier, is that you know you're not going to find Big the one the one way fa- way definitely not to find Bigfoot is on sitting on Facebook in your your mom's basement. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, it, you got to be out well, in well, the woods. So the so when they were
3: cut down I operations. With me. Go ahead that's what most of the critics were doing while they were criticizing operation sea monkey. Right. Right. They were you know probably the guys who do nothing but you know uh, have nothing better to do but go from site to site, you know, like the the Bigfoot forums or something like that and oh, uh, let's right nasty comment here or nasty comment there. I mean, you're never going to get rid of that. Never let that bother
2: mm-hmm. us. It's
3: Never bother right. me. Certainly not going to let it bother anybody. <laughs> on such an expedition I say go for it. Go for it. Go out there, search, look, and if you find something, great. Yeah, I thought it
1: was um I thought it was pretty interesting concept and um I also you know, Gunnar, when you had mentioned Todd had said the first of several, um and that's why I mentioned maybe in the future since you guys went and scouted out that area, you know, do, divide the time up amongst each place, a um, couple days here, a couple days there. I know, it, you know, it's, there's money involved. And it's going to take money to do these things, but I think it was a definitely a good start um, of something that could be long-term and, and, you know, potentially have something of value to come out of that.
3: Well, it was, it was a worthwhile trip. That's all I can say. It, it cost me a little bit because I lost one of my jobs here because I went on it.
2: Uh, <laughs> I told well, them all
3: the I gave them plenty of notice. They won't say if yeah. that's the reason why, but that's the reason why I know.
2: <laughs> well,
3: worthwhile, though. I, enjoy, I thoroughly enjoyed that. It was a great expedition. Uh, I'd love to do it again. But, it'd be, like I said, the only thing I'd do different would be to spend more time in certain areas and not so much small time in a whole bunch of different areas. Uh, I, I agree with I, that idea, too. Yeah, this was a, a recce, or as, uh, as you Americans call it, a recon. And, uh, <laughs> well, we found the areas where we should look. Wow. Uh, yeah. And, uh, if you ever go back, yeah, I think we should spend more time. Wow more time. Well, I think make sure Thomas, we got a shotgun where the shells ain't rust. <laughs> oh. oh my. Yes. Well, Thomas, I
1: think the whole thing though is the next time you're invited to um go on that expedition, you should have on one condition and that's if I can go
3: with.
2: <laughs>
3: I'll make uh, that. There you go. Really? For you, I will make that my one demand. <laughs> Awesome. Todd,
1: did you hear that? <laughs> All
2: right. All right. So um, guess, oh, my. God. my.
0: <laughs> well, now, listen, I, I do I, have um, – I, I just got question. bumped off the trip, the next Operation Sea Monkey, I think. I know,
2: Gunther,
1: I'm sorry. Love you, but
2: <laughs> um, <laughs>
1: um, I tell you um, – What was the other question that I had from the chat room? Let me see. Let me go back here. I know there was another question. Oh, yeah. Um, Do you have any uh, investigators or anybody up there around you, Thomas, that you know of that is currently investigating that we may be hearing more from? I mean, like any, um, you know, newbies or anybody out there in your area that's getting hooked in on this?
3: I have a great batch of colleagues I keep close around here. I've already mentioned one tonight uh, named Bill Miller. He's an American fellow from Illinois. He's back in Illinois right now. He usually goes home in the wintertime. He's usually up here, and he runs a small business called Sasko's Country Adventures up here in the Harrison Lake area. And He's been doing research with me now for about eight years. He comes up in the summer, and we spend a lot of time on a Polaris Rangers, go- oh, I mean, I don't think there's a Forest Service road anywhere in this area that we haven't been on half a dozen times. I've got a, uh, another group of people up here, uh, 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 dedicated researchers that have a very skeptical attitude towards the the subject as a whole, but not closed-mindedness, which is a key thing. I've mentioned a few names, Bill Reed, his wife Pauline, uh, uh uh, Jason Kane, uh, who uh, who's uh, an ex-police officer and U.S. Marine, he lives up here, and uh, he has a website called SasquatchCanada.ca. Uh, uh, Brad Trent, who's a woodsman, going, he's in his 70s now, and he's been a woodsman and a hunter his whole life. Had a couple interesting encounters himself in the early 80s. Well, he had one, and one of his sons had one, and that's what got the bug going with him and uh, he, he's pretty knowledgeable of the local area around here. When we we get together and go out every now and then, like most of those videos you see on YouTube on my channel that uh, feature me talking about we're, we're taken by this group of people. And uh, we go out, and and we I take them with me, and we go out and we, and we investigate things, and I get a report out. I'll call up some of them and see if they can come along, because it's always good to have more people there. Uh, I spent a lot of years going out all by myself and realized something happened to me. No one would ever know I was gone. <laughs> 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 you, know, uh,
2: no, no. you
3: know, so maybe, maybe it's a good idea to actually have somebody with you every now and then. Uh, yeah, uh, 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 there's a number of people who do research in this area, who are good researchers. Uh, they are not suffering from Ivan Mark syndrome. Uh, there's yeah, a number of, people, number of people in this area who are big sufferers of Ivan Mark syndrome, and they don't talk to me anymore because they know <laughs>
2: what's
3: up
1: with it. Yeah, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah it's uh, amazing first- how quick they, they want to shut people down who are um, – you know skeptical but in a good way and once they realize that you know you're not going to pat them on the back and say hey great job on that picture of a blurry um tree stump then they get really mad at you and then they start the personal insults and the name calling and it's it's just ridiculous oh well you know we got people, people don't want to Go over their evidence with you Then don't show it You know what I mean Don't drag it out on Facebook And stick it out there And go look at those Sasquatch And then when you're like That ah, looks pretty much like a tree stump to me Then
2: then <laughs> they start
3: attacking you And it's just Oh yeah well, That's, that's the thing uh, And I got people up here Who have uh, intentionally hoaxed photographs And I've exposed it uh, uh, They see things Watch. With hats, uh, bird nest hats on all the time, <laughs> and one guy who says the reason I don't see a Sasquatch all the time is because I'm not looking with my third eye.
2: <laughs>
3: oh my, that's a good yeah. one. <laughs> I say your third eye needs glasses, son, because you're seeing stuff that ain't there. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, and we get all kinds of people like that. I mean. The asylum being run by the inmates has not hit here to the same extent as it has in the United States, but it's here. It's a hot mess. It's everywhere now. I mean, when I started yeah. in this, I, I I used to say, God, at least we're not as bad as the UFO feel, but we are
2: now. <laughs>
3: and it's <laughs> the tabloid mentality of the press that's just locked to this thing because it's the people with the ridiculous uh, – like this, they get all the attention, which is fine by them because let's face it, that's what they're really after in the first place.
2: Right. So right. we don't right. care we, if Sasquatch exists or
3: we, not. They're yeah. just they're just out to be the uh, uh, they want to be seen in the world as a real life Mulder and Scully. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: wow. wow. I mean, I mean
3: what, yeah.
0: yeah. we, we've kind of uh, covered it, that that there are you know, problems in the, the Bigfoot field. What, what do you think is going on right now that, that is, is right.
3: That's right. I mean, are we on the right track? Yeah. Well, we're spinning our wheels. I mean, uh, Renee said once, uh, um, uh, everyone's making the same mistakes, doing the same things over and over again. They just got prettier equipment when they do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, You know, really, but then again, that's what you have to do because because if you are trying to solve a mystery, and find an answer to a question, there's really only two ways to go about it. One, you investigate, citing reports that you think may be legitimate, and you try to get to the bottom of things, and you try to find evidence of the creature itself. That means going out there and spending long hours of seeing absolutely nothing. And occasionally if you're lucky once or twice you come across something that's interesting. Unless you're the one guy that's going to have one walk out in front of your thirty odd six rifle one day and you end the mystery then and there. You know. Right. Uh, that's the only thing that you really happen or you come across the remains of one that died by other ways. I mean uh, I mean let's face it, the death of a Sasquatch, a body or a piece of the body, is what's going to end the mystery. Nothing else will ever do. Nope. Nothing else will ever then... do. I don't think DNA or samples from a well, dart or anything would do it, because uh, uh, DNA, uh, you, there's no saturation to compare it to, so the best they could tell exactly. is unknown primate. It
1: drives me it's crazy right there
3: has and been. people refer to the,
1: those um, DNA studies that were done by a certain doctor, um, and they're like, well, they proved that uh, Sasquatch exists with that DNA. And I'm like, really? Now, what specimen did they take it from exactly? Well, it's, they just know it's our DNA of a Bigfoot. I just, it drives me nuts. Because, yeah. <laughs> no, it's not scientific. You have to have a known specimen that you know that sample came from to test. You don't just find a blob of something out in the middle of the woods you know, um, a hair, for example. Okay, the best you're going to get is it's an unknown primate, or it's an unknown something.
3: It, that's one of my pet peeves about all this. Well, the thing is, with the, I mean, it, it comes out. All you have to do is ask someone that's just a Smithsonian, or the National Geographic Society, or any major museum after
2: all.
3: <sighs> In anything, what do you need to confirm that the Sasquatch is real and it is and it exists and it's a species living in the Pacific Northwest, United States of Canada? They're unanimous. They need a body or piece of the body. Nothing else will do. And no amount of wishful, political, correct thinking is ever going to change that, because that's the way it works. When they say they need yep. a body or piece of body, that's exactly what they mean. Yeah. Yeah, and you're not going to change their minds on that. I mean, a great still video or a great still photo may make people ask a lot of questions, and it'll change a few minds, but in general, accepting it and being declared and taking it out of the realm of mythology and putting it in the realm of everyday zoology, it won't do it.
2: No, I, I, and-
3: I, I agree with you that,
0: that it's going to have to be a body. The only other uh, possibility would be a long-term you know, study uh, where somebody went in and it had a group of Sasquatches, where they they got clear photographic evidence repeatedly, and and multiple samples of DNA, and I mean you're gonna have to have a lot of corroborative evidence. You know, it's gonna be a Jane mm-hmm. Goodall kind of study where it where you don't. It's not fuzzy pictures. A, a
2: single yeah, fuzzy but, picture on
3: Facebook is certainly not gonna do it. You're gonna remember to
2: Yeah.
3: Remember, Diane Fossey and Jane Goodall mm-hmm. weren't trying to prove the existence of chimpanzees and gorillas. That was already established, sure. and it was established right. by someone going out and bringing in a body. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. They already knew they were there. Well, right, exactly. Right. And now, no one is going to do anything like that for the Sasquatch until someone proves that the Sasquatch is actually there. Right. Right. You
2: know, and they're, they're the only
3: one anyone going to finance someone like a Jane Goodall or Diane Fossey or a Thomas Steenberg or a Gunnar <laughs>
2: yeah.
3: Actually, to go out there and sit there 24-7 without proof that they're already there to begin with. I
1: know. Yeah. Yeah.
3: I mean, what happened right. with Benji? Someone brought in bodies. How did they bring in bodies? They shot them. Same thing with Gorillas. went right. out there and true. they shot them. It was that's simple as that. They brought in one, they found it. I don't know, but the point is, the body was brought in. So it, their existence was always established long before Jane Goodall, long before Diane Fossey. But people love those uh, lady stories because it's so nice and Greenpeace-like and politically correct and. Ooh, isn't that nice? But yeah, yeah, well, it's
2: true.
3: And they did a lot, a great job, and they did a lot to understand our understanding of their behavior. But they did not prove their right. existence; that had already been established.
2: Right. So yeah. One of the things that was and
3: was cool before we went out there is that I,
0: I had somebody had put up some uh, really spectacular night vision uh, thermal images of chimpanzees. Yeah, but the and and if if we had come back with something like that,
2: it, right. it would That's be very compelling.
0: Say. And, and lead. first of all, we did not have the the level of equipment that that they used for the the documentary mm-hmm. that they they showed. And uh, it's again, it's still a needle in a haystack kind of deal. You go into mm-hmm. some place that you think your best chance of of uh, of encountering uh, a Sasquatch is, and and then hope. They show up and want to interact with you enough to expose themselves. We've had some stuff happen in our research area, you
2: know,
0: uh, where we've seen things through thermal images that we can't explain. Um, I, the Shane and and uh, Cindy Cadell were up in our research area um, in the last year sometime and and had something. They they couldn't agree at the time what it was, whether, you know, is that a raccoon up in the tree? Because it looked like it was peeking behind a tree and uh, looking at the area in the daylight, it was weird. So that um, something, you know, with a roundish shaped head was, it it looked like had been peeking behind this tree and they watched it. They never recorded it, but it, Again, and they didn't see anything. Again, a, a single incident like that, even if you recorded it, unless you had the highest end equipment that that could show facial features and and uh, right, and still you're going to argue with people that like like Thomas was saying earlier is that you you bring a Bigfoot body in, you're still going to have people naysayers, people that are not going to buy that that Bigfoot is real because it doesn't fit into the belief system. Um, right. Until, till they're, you know, like I said, it's a, it's a body alive or dead, or it's a long-term study with multiple pieces of evidence, DNA. You know, you can pull, take hair, and you can get fingernails, and you can take clear pictures or video. Which, I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's really, it hasn't happened to date. It's unlikely that that's the way it's going to happen. The much more likely scenario is a, a body of. Uh, Deceased probably is the easiest way. I'm not, you know, and I don't. I'm not going to hardly be the one to go out and shoot one. So, but uh, well, it'd be it'd be a happenstance thing to go out and find a a body, which is again a, a a smaller
3: needle in a in a much larger haystack. It would would not surprise me at all if the day comes and the skeletal remains of a Sasquatch are laid out there on the table for the world to see. It's not going to be found by some researcher like myself who brought it in from the bush somewhere. It's going to be laid out by some anthropology student who stumbled in some dust-covered box or long-forgotten drawer in a museum basement somewhere. <laughs> I mean, it yeah, would not be surprise me one bit, because they have so much, and there's so many stories of the past, the strange bones being... Mm-hmm. You know, it wouldn't surprise me a bit if some anthropology student... Going, oh, what's this? Blows the dust off. Oh, let's see. This was found, turned in 1963. What the heck is? Jesus is a big skull. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> it wouldn't Somebody's supply one it as a one little a bit
0: of
3: comes to an end. <laughs> it may be a good yeah, idea somebody... to start looking, trying to get permission, and start looking, and if you can get permission to look in museum archives, things like mm-hmm. that. Let's see, you're dead. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or well, there's or, been rumors for years about the
1: Smithsonian having all these bones and stuff, you know, in their basement, and it's a big cover up and all this. But I, I don't, don't buy the cover up
0: part. But there's
1: cover up? No, doubt, no in but mine, I, they have I think they have stuff they don't even
3: know about. Yeah, I don't buy the I don't buy the conspiracy part, but the, mm-hmm. they they have. There's no doubt they have bones and things like that. have been turned in. That they have just been forgotten about. Mm-hmm. The well, everything they have on display, they've got ten other items that they've never put on display, and archives. Well, they have, have such a, oh, a huge yeah. backlog, right? Of of stuff yeah. that they haven't gotten.
2: Mm-hmm. To.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. I, even forgotten where they came from. So much time has gone. Right. You know, well, that, and
1: stuff that was turned in before DNA was even known. You know, those you kind know, of things no even, that no were one gave much
3: of thought, or these didn't exist. exist. And bone or oh. whatever, yeah. They had no idea what they were looking at. So, but I wouldn't well, be surprised that, yeah. if it ever came to an end. It would come to an end that way, yeah.
0: That or, I wish or, it, a, 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 or a log truck driver hits one, and then it, you know, and the body is collected uh, by, yeah,
3: right then and there. Definitely. And that's one of the yeah. biggest oh. points, and one of the the major points the skeptics have is, you know, we have a lot of animals that are rarely seen. You know, mountain lions and wolverines. I still have not seen a wolverine in the wild. But Mm -hmm. all of them have been killed on our highways. Right. Yeah, all of them have. I've heard of stories of Sasquatch being hit by vehicles, but never killed. Or if they have been killed, for some reason the body was not collected. You know, uh, I, it, I just said, well, maybe they're too smart to get hit by vehicles. I said, well, people get hit every damn day, so that's saying a lot. Right, uh, right. Yeah, well,
2: there's, uh, yeah, but there, there's
0: plenty of stories of road crossings. You think eventually one would not be quite sufficiently yeah. fast to make it across, but.
2: Yeah, or
3: There an encounter. Yeah. It seems, I don't know what it is about a but sometimes they seem stunned by approaching car lights and they wait till the last moment to dash out across. I mean, I see rabbits doing that all the time here, and I've had so many close calls with deer and everything else. Coyotes, things like that crossing the highways here. And I've heard so many stories of people seeing Sasquatch in a similar manner. It's either standing on the side of the road watching you go by, or it crosses in front of you. It's uh, mm-hmm. just unbelievable for a few minutes and Someday, you figure someone's going to hit one. But right. so far, it hasn't happened. A few stories I've heard where they Deadly. have been hit they have not been killed.
2: So, Right. Mm-hmm. right.
3: There's a, Yeah, there's a story from out
0: several years ago from the other side of Portland on a very busy uh, highway that has an intersection, uh, Highway 84 that is, uh, runs
3: east out of Portland all the
2: way very to Iowa. Number 6,
3: 1975. <laughs> yep, <laughs> that was <a> good,
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's but, a i mean sorry,
3: yeah, I
0: Yeah, but there's yeah, yeah. there's lot there are lots of road crossing stories, but not, and, oh yeah. and much fewer, of course, um, where they someone claimed to have hit hit one, and, and then you've got like Jacko that you know what whatever happened to, um, hello,
2: hello.
0: you know that creature whatever it ended up being. Thomas, yep. we got a few few minutes left. What? Where do you see the future of of this subject going? And and uh, short, I mean, you you other than uh, an accidental uh, roadkill is you know how do you see this coming to a conclusion?
3: Well, if there is a Sasquatch uh, out there, and the and a species does exist. The only way it will ever conclude is like when someone brings in a body or a piece of a body. There is no Sasquatch, and there never was. It will just go on uh, as it always has, people saying they see the things and people trying to follow up on it, and the mystery continues. Unfortunately, what I see in the future is rather bleak because, like I said, The asylum is getting bigger, and the inmates are getting more populated.
2: (laughs) They are
3: the majority now. They were a minority Mm -hmm. when I started, but now they are the majority. I mean, uh, I don't mean to be uh, downhearted when I say that, but that's just the fact because the media Mm -hmm. has a uh, a tabloid mentality and people do strange things for when when involving publicity, and uh-huh. people like telling crazy monster stories for some reason and being the center of attention. Ah, yeah, I saw Bigfoot. He picked up my <laughs> pick up and threw it in the river.
2: <laughs> Could you tell finding <laughs> Bigfoot,
3: about it? I like to be on the show. <laughs> you know, I all the time. But. And and that is unfortunate reality of it as it exists today.
2: I was not aware uh, that Forrest
3: Gump had seen Bigfoot.
2: Yeah, you know, I mean,
3: there's so much of that now. And it's become trendy, especially in the U.S., to say you saw Bigfoot. And that has caused nothing but problems. I mean, back in the 70s and the 80s, most people were afraid to tell that they Mm -hmm. saw something. You had to get it out of them, right? Right. Or and the, or they told you the story under complete confidentiality. Do not reveal my name. Do not do this. Do not do that. Please, I don't want anyone knowing this happened to me. I still get that, but I also get calls from people who saying, "Hey, do you know those people finding Bigfoot? I'd like to be on the show." All right, all right. Amazing cock and bull story. I say, I'll pass it on. Click. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> You know, I've had oh, a lot God. of people call me about stuff like that, and and, uh, and they're coming out of the woodwork saying, uh, because of all these stories, like I said, stories that have taken on a life of their own they never should have, like tree banging and rock clanking and things like that. <laughs> people, are, every time they hear a tree a tree branch break, they think a Sasquatch is nearby now.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Every
3: shapeless yeah. hole in the ground is a footprint you know
2: uh, <laughs> oh, uh, God,
3: Yeah, me. it's it's just gone to the point of absolute madness
2: mm-hmm. i
3: mean i mean back when i started we knew who the lunatics were there was only a few of them and we had one who was the king john eric Bechard, who oh, who's known for that name
2: yeah yeah
3: <laughs> he was he was yeah, yeah. The on the I... bigfoot forum page as the man who could <laughs> not be named
2: <laughs> yes
3: he, he would phone me up at 3 o'clock in the morning to, pretending to be some professor at a university.
2: <laughs> so, I mean, he was that nuts.
3: You know, but he knew who they were, which were the greatest of salt. Unfortunately, now they're everywhere.
2: Oh, you know, yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. you got people suffering from Ivan Mark syndrome. They just like being the center of attention. That's the Todd Stanley types and the old Paul Freeman types, right? Uh, and you got people who who are serious researchers and do good work but nobody ever hears about them because their research is not sexy enough for the tabloid mentality of the media
1: Mhm
3: yeah All right I'm only well, known that- in this field I like to think I I'm known and I know I'm known and I'm respected in this field but that it took years to do that there are people who are mm-hmm. unwilling to wait that long. They want to be recognized right now. Yeah. And so they'll right. do what they have to do to get recognized right now. And it works for them until they get caught, you know. And that's the problem. Mm-hmm. You know, you, if, you're, if you're getting into this kind of research, do it because you're fascinated by the mystery and you want to find an answer. Don't do it because you think you're going to be become rich or famous. <laughs> because odds are you're not going to get rich. I can guarantee you that. And famous, it might might not be the kind of fame you want.
2: Mm-hmm. More likely to be infamous
3: than famous. Yeah. Yeah. You know. So <laughs> again, you gotta you gotta be like me. You have to be grow up a weird kid <laughs> who uh, <laughs> all our friends were out collecting hockey sticks and thinking about being the next. Gila Fleur, or, or, or I guess in America, there's a baseball, baseball player. But hearing a hockey player and spending their lives in that, and the hero. no, me, I was reading books about John Green and Big yeah, Eight, uh, or people were telling them about the force of British Columbia. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was me.
2: Yeah,
3: I still remember the day, I still remember hearing my father tell my mother, don't worry, he'll grow out of it. <laughs> 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 it, didn't, it didn't happen. <laughs>
2: It just didn't uh, not happen.
3: Much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I was in this and doing this for years. I knew all the, the big guys in it, but uh, you know, I, I, I don't think anyone started recognizing me until I actually started publishing books on it. So, Right, the and those books They're are available at Amazon. Yeah, I stick to the facts, and I never deviate from the facts. That's my favorite saying. You want to know a Thomas a great Dever- one, Shay? That's the big one. Stick to the facts, never deviate from the facts. And okay. if you want to get into this field of research, that's the attitude you have to have. And there are a lot of good people in this who have that attitude, but they're, they are the minority. I mean, your guest last week, um, uh, Stephen Stewart, I call him Angel Eyes. Right. He's one. You know, the guy that I know <laughs> here, he's one. Bill Miller, you know, he's one. Julie, you. Who are you? But we're the minority,
1: right? Right.
3: Minority. You're right, and um, not the ones the National Enquirer are going to be writing about. Yeah, yeah. It'll be the Carter Coy (laughs) Farms. Yeah. She has bigfoot visiting her five times a week. She gives them garlic. Right. (laughs) Or I didn't get a
2: a picture. Take a picture to stone
3: it through.
0: And thus, Thomas, and we are just about out of time, and I I want to thank you for joining us on our show today. I also would like to thank my guest co-host and major uh, Thomas Steinberg fan, uh, Julie one fan. French, for joining us. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we will hope to have you back on the show uh, in oh, the future. Absolutely. And I I look forward to possibly be going out on. Uh, Operation Sea Monkey 2 named something else uh, with you, Thomas. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, everybody, for listening to Monster X Radio. We will be back next Sunday with, with our friend Cindy Cadell will be joining us. Have a great week until then. Keep it squatchy.